Well, good morning. Got a lot of injury stories to share this morning. That's awesome. My name is Jarrett Stevens. Uh, I'm one of the lead pastors here in a moment. I'll get to my great injury here in a second. I'm so good to be with you here today. We are continuing in our Begin Again series uh, where we've been talking about for the last couple weeks, uh, how do we begin again with God? The Bible talks a lot about what new life and how we can have new life with God. What does that really mean? What does that really look like? How do we really experience that? And so in our time together today, what we're going to look at is how we begin again with the places in our lives that feel broken, the parts of our lives that feel maybe incomplete, the parts of our lives that we wish might not have ever happened, what can happen when we bring those parts to God? How do we begin again, even with maybe the, the pain or the wounds that we walked in here with today? See, here's something I've come to learn about myself and I've come to learn as I've been the pastor of this church for the last couple of years and as Jeannie and I have led this thing together and throughout our whole life, here's just something true that I've seen of human nature and of our own stories that all of us at some level are walking wounded, whether we realize it or not. That we're all at some level walking wounded, that we have learned to carry with us pain and wounds from our lives, maybe as fresh or as recent as this week. Something happened to you this week and that's why you're here today because of a wound you experienced this week. Maybe for you, you've been carrying a wound for years and you've sort of just learned to limp and live with this wound. Maybe you've been carrying a wound your entire life, something that was said to you or done to you as a child that has come to define your existence and you've learned to live, not just walk, as one wounded and assume that this is just as good as it gets. How do we begin again with the parts of our lives that are broken? Well, today we're going to look at not, not only whom our healing comes from, but what it's actually for. Whom our healing actually comes from and what our healing is for, not just in our own life, but in the lives of others. So I am so glad for all of us walking wounded here today that you are actually here. Now, in our, in our house, we have two little ones, eight and six. There's a lot of walking woundedness in our house and a lot of faking woundedness <laughs> in our house. This is just kind of, there are days where it feels like I, I, we live in triage mode with our kids because in our house, someone is either always getting hurt or hurting the other one. That seems to just be how it goes for us. In our house. And among our two kids, among Elijah and Gigi, our littlest Gigi is actually the most accident prone. She just goes through life so big and bold that she's bound to bump into things every now and then. And so she's actually the one that's been to the hospital the most of our two kids. In fact, she's already received several stitches as a six-year-old. In fact, the most recent time we were in the hospital with her getting stitches was uh, two Christmases ago. In fact, it was actually on Christmas morning we got to go to the hospital together. She was so excited to run downstairs in her brand new Christmas jammies and go straight to the stockings. And she didn't, now this is the heart of our Gigi, she didn't go for hers. She went for the stocking that belonged to our dog, Molly. Because Molly could never reach that on her own. Very complicated sock procedure there. And so she went to grab Molly's. And as she did, she pulled down that, you know, 10-pound weight that sits on the mantle. So this is where we spent Christmas morning with our Gigi. Look at her. Even posing on the hospital bed. That girl is always in true form. This is how it goes for our family. It feels like there's always someone 
who's walking wounded. And when our kids get hurt, obviously the first thing they want is the love and the kisses and the hugs of their mommy and daddy, and then punishment for the one that hurt them. But then after that, what they really want, what they always ask for is something that we can't seem to have enough of in our house. They always want a Band-Aid afterwards, right? And you know this, if you have kids or if you were a kid, which is all of you, that you... You know how bad a kid, they want Band-Aids. And we go through Band-Aids like paper towels in our house because our kids are again always hurt or, or cut somewhere. So there's a Band-Aid going on or they'll, they'll you know, just see blood on the other one and want a Band-Aid for themselves. Or our kids are notorious for this. They'll find a scar that is basically almost already healed, but just needs a Band-Aid to finish the process. They didn't even know it existed, but now they have to have a Band-Aid for it. That's what our kids most want when they kind of have the pain that they come across in their lives. They want a Band-Aid to make it all feel better, to help them forget about their pain for a little while. And you know what's true of, of little kids? It's still so true of you and me. When the pain of our lives, of our stories hits, do you know the first thing that we tend to grab for? Some kind of Band-Aid to cover it all up. It's just true. We, we grab for all kinds of different band-aids to help kind of cover up the pain that we may be feeling or the pain that we may have been walking with for most of our lives. We grab something to help cover it up. Maybe for you, one of your band-aids is a new relationship. Things go south, things go sour, things don't end well. And so for you to cover up the pain of the loss of that relationship, the thing that you reach for and grab for is another relationship. And maybe for you, the reason you're in Chicago is because things where you were living before got so painful to be there caused such pain for you that you had to leave that place and go to another. Again, that's not a bad thing, but so often what we do is grab for superficial things to cover up deep wounds. We still do it. Maybe yours is food, alcohol. Maybe yours is compulsive shopping. You want to buy something to fill the emptiness that that pain has caused in your life. Maybe for you, it's whatever the new kind of self-help strategy is to sort of get you through. It's a Band-Aid that you grab to cover up the wound and the pain that you feel. Maybe for you, maybe for you, you felt that pain, that wound, and so you've covered it up with success. You've worked really hard to out-succeed your pain and to at least give the appearance to everyone else that everything is okay, when in fact, what you most need is not a Band-Aid, what you most need is this. Now listen, this first thing our kids want when they get hurt is a band-aid. You want to guess what the last thing is that they want? Medicine. Medicine. Now this is just some of the medicine. That could it, it look, no wonder our kids don't want this. I don't know if it could look more like poison if they tried. Because when our kids are hurt, they don't want medicine. Our kids are convinced that medicine is going to kill them. And I don't blame them. Look at the way they package it. They could learn something from Band-Aids. And then there's the taste. It tastes terrible. But this is supposed to make you feel better. No, it tastes terrible, though. And so what we most need and what our kids most need when they're hurt is actually medicine, something that will begin the healing work in their life, because I don't know what band-aids or bandages you put on over your pain, whatever it is, they look different for all of our lives and all of our stories, but they all have one thing in common. All the band-aids and bandages that you and I use to cover up our deep pain have one thing in common. They cannot do what this does. 
They can cover up, but they cannot heal. And so what we want to look at today is how do we begin the healing process with God? Something maybe like our kids at first pass you've been afraid of. You've been afraid of the healing process of God because maybe you don't know what it entails. Or maybe you're afraid it'll take too long. You need it now. You need it right now. And you're afraid that the healing process that God has for you may take too long. Maybe you're afraid that it's going to cost you something And so you'd rather just cover it up than to deal with it at its source. But today what we're going to look at is how healing works, how healing comes from God for all of your wounds, for all of your deep pain, the healing that God has for you. And listen, this is very, very important. With God, healing, when it comes to relationship with God, healing is not just possible, Healing is actually promised throughout the Bible. Now you need to understand that. Healing is not just theoretically possible. Like I believe that God could do that. Healing is actually promised. And God says, no, this is what I do. I do the deep healing work in your life so that you don't have to cover up anymore, but you can be healed from the inside out. Healing's not just possible theoretically, or maybe you believe healing is possible, but only for everyone else. Bible says no healing is promised for you for every one of your wounds that you walked in here with today, even the ones you don't yet know about. Healing is promised wholly and completely by God. And so we're going to look at really kind of where that comes from and then specifically where it goes. We're going to look at two short passages in the Bible. We're going to look at one from the Old Testament And we're going to look at one from the New Testament. So you got both sides covered today. All right, so we're going to look at one in the Old Testament. And specifically, we'll start there in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. So if you have a Bible or you have it on your phone, go ahead and open there now. If not, look, we've got you covered. There is a blue Bible in your seat back or in the seat in front of you. Why don't you grab a blue Bible, actually, if you don't have one with you, and turn to Isaiah 53. It's found on page 511, just so you know, in the blue Bible. It's page 511. And would you grab a pen too? We're going to circle a couple things, pay attention to a couple things that God has for us, that has for you, if you've ever wondered if healing is possible for your life, if there could ever be deep healing for the deep wounds of your life. Isaiah 53 is where we're going to camp out, grab a pen, open a Bible, and let's dive into this together. Let me give you some quick context before we read this passage from the Bible. I want you to, for a second, I know I just said open your Bible, but I want you to close your eyes for a second and imagine what the image of Jesus is that you get when you close your minds. Just before we get into this passage from the Old Testament, I want you to think about what's the image of Jesus that you have in your mind, probably greatly informed from all of the terrible movies about him. I want you to think about what's the image of Jesus that you have in your mind. Probably clean white robe, perfectly permed hair, (laughs) somehow a British accent. I don't know how that happens. Miss America blue stash across the front. Think about that image. Now look at how the prophet Isaiah, hundreds and hundreds of years before the coming of Jesus, describes Jesus. You think about that image and look at the image that Isaiah paints in Isaiah 53. This is a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus speaks of Jesus and who he is and where healing comes from. He says that he, being Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of, what's the word? A man of? Circle that. This is really important. I'm not sure what your image of Jesus is, but look at how the Bible describes, look how Isaiah describes him. A man of suffering and familiar with what? 
pain. See, this is what we wonder when we hit our own wounds. Does God understand? Does God even know? And ultimately, does God even care? The Bible says, no, this is who he is, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one, listen to this, from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took, now this is very important, surely he took up our what? Pain and bore our what? Suffering. Isaiah says he's someone who is familiar with pain and suffering. Why? Because he took up my pain and suffering. He familiarizes himself with pain and suffering by taking my pain and suffering upon himself. This is who Jesus is. This is what he does. And this is where healing actually comes from. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. You see what happens here? Jesus, <laughs> he's not only familiar with your pain, he's familiar with pain and suffering because he suffered himself. He faced pain just like you do, suffering just like you do, and yet somehow from his suffering, healing Flows. Look what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 5. Hey, this is one of those verses you need to make stars next to. You need to circle. I don't even care if it's not your Bible. You're going to help someone else one day when they steal this Bible from church. So you need to circle this and underline this. This is one of those kind of verses to remember kind of for life. This can walk you through. Isaiah 53, 5 says this about Jesus. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now look at this. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. Now, this is very important. And by his wounds, we are healed. And by his wounds, we are healed. The wounds of our pain and suffering that he took upon himself. And by him taking that pain and suffering, literally, not metaphorically, literally upon himself, we actually have not just the possibility, but the promise of healing for every pain, for every wound. This is who Jesus is, and this is what he does. My Savior is a healer, and he knows pain personally, and he knows my pain and yours personally by his wounds, by what he did for us through the cross, raised by God from the dead, that act of taking on our pain and our sin made our peace and our healing possible in him. Now what, and just think for a second, what other God, what other major world religion chose this route, chose to take the lowest position, chose to take on pain and suffering upon themselves so that you could be healed. Jesus does not merely give you sort of a couple rules to follow, a couple phrases to memorize. He says, no, I am literally going to take your pain and suffering upon myself. I will experience it personally because when I do, because of what God does through the empty tomb, your wounds and suffering can actually be made whole and healed by me. What other God? What other religion would go this route to be someone who is not only familiar with pain, but familiar with my pain and my suffering and my wounds and by so doing, bring about my healing and yours?
Last year, I, I turned 40, and I chose to embrace it. A lot of guys my age run from it and deny it. I chose to embrace it and make it my own. And I decided that I was going to do some things in year 40 that I had never done before. I put off in life. Some things that I used to do that I didn't think I could do anymore. I wanted to do some of those. And so one of those things, I said, you know, one of the things I want to do is resurrect my skateboarding career. It seems important. And the people demand it. And so, and so what I did... With birthday money, like I'm 14, I went and bought a skateboard. I went and bought a brand new skateboard. I hadn't been on a skateboard for years, but I thought, I got this. I got this. And so I decided that I was going to go back and prove myself to a bunch of 13-year-olds and go to the skate park and ride a half pipe, a ramp, you know, like you see in the X Games. Something I hadn't done for nine years, but I, I can do this. I'm 40 now. I can do this. And so I went to the skate park. I was so excited to have my old board ready and everything was ready to go. In fact, I took a picture right before I dropped into the ramp. Took a little selfie or a footsie, whatever you want to call that. Right before the moment where I dropped in. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, it's a lot faster than I remember. I'm being honest with you. I don't remember it being this fast and this wobbly. And so I was nervous to say the least. And so I kind of Pulled off for a second, you know, calm and cool and collected. You know, again, 13-year-olds are watching. And so I kind of tightened everything up, and I went back to the top of the ramp, and I started skating again. And I'll be honest with you, things are going pretty good. Like, I was, I was getting my tricks back. I was kind of getting back into the groove. And, and then I had one little fall. It wasn't a big fall at all. It was one little fall. I kind of fell from the top of the ramp down to the bottom. Used to doing that 10 years ago. This time when I did, I heard a when I fell, and my left leg begin to throb in pain. And I couldn't get up. I couldn't put any weight on it. I couldn't get up. And so now I'm in like, like, a, like a swimming pool, like a surrounded made of wood. You know, I'm in, and I can't get out. I'm literally in the bottom and 13 year olds are going around just disgusted with me. <laughs> Disappointed with me. And I had to throw my board to the top and crawl my way out and try and walk off what I didn't know was a complete ACL tear in the moment. So this is a picture from the end of that night. Yeah, not quite as cool. And I, I realized in that moment, I hoped I hadn't, but I realized I'd torn my ACL, and so I went to see the doctor, and I ended up actually getting the guy who's gonna end up doing my surgery, uh, is actually my surgery is in two weeks for my ACL to finally be repaired. And my doctor is actually Derek Rose's doctor. I got Derek Rose's doctor, which I don't know if it's good or bad because he seems to be, he's like a repeat customer. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm not sure if he has like a little thing he clips every time you get an ACL surgery. I don't know how that works. But we were going through all the pre-surgery and post-surgery stuff last time. I was meeting with him a couple weeks ago, and I, I just, I asked him, because I wanted to know, this is, you know, one of the most biggest injuries I've ever had in my life. Like Nancy, I hadn't really ever broken but one bone in my body before, and so I'm going to have ACL surgery in two weeks. And so I asked him, I said, hey, have you had this surgery before? And he looked at me almost incredulously. No. Like, how dare I ask that question? And I said, so you've never experienced what I'm about to experience? He goes, no, but you'll be fine. Just trust me. And I thought in that moment, I don't know if I do. Because you haven't experienced what I'm about to experience. Think about it. Would you ever take your car to a mechanic who didn't have his driver's license? You'd want to know that this person's been behind the wheel and knows a little bit about cars, right? Would you ever go to a personal trainer who was totally out of shape? Would you give your money to that person? 
I don't feel good about giving my money to a doctor who's never experienced the pain that I'm about to experience. I trust his expertise, but he doesn't know what I'm about to experience firsthand. See, this is who Jesus is. He says, no, I know your pain. I know what it's like to be wounded. I know what it's like at the deepest level to experience pain. I experienced it all with you and for you. I am a wounded healer. That's who this Savior is, a wounded healer. You think about the wounds that you've maybe incurred in your life, words spoken to you, words of rejection, words of betrayal. Jesus heard these words firsthand, was laughed at, mocked, denied. You think about maybe in your life you've experienced the loss of someone you love, someone who is a part of your life who now no longer is. We don't talk much about it, but Jesus' father here on earth, Joseph, many scholars believe passed away, gone, not even written about. He had to go through, watch death firsthand of people he loved and he cared about. You think about maybe for you, there's a, a longing for a life that you have yet to be able to live. And that is your deep pain and wound. As you thought life would be different than it is, you would hope for a better life. And you've tried to hit the begin again button as best you can, but it doesn't seem to work that way, does it? And yet here we have a Savior who chose a life of pain and of suffering to bring about your healing. Maybe the pain or the wound that you've experienced at a deep level is some form of abuse. Verbal abuse, words said to you that should have never been said to you. Physical abuse, sexual abuse. And statistically, the numbers say in this room, there's a lot of walking wounded with those wounds. And yet here we have a Savior who himself didn't just metaphorically go to a cross, but was literally physically beaten and abused, pierced, the Bible says, for our transgressions. This is a Savior who is familiar with pain, a Savior who is familiar with your pain, whatever it may be. This is where and who our healing comes from, one who knows and is familiar with pain and suffering himself. And he invites you to accept and receive the healing that only he can give, that, that, that a Band-Aid can never give, but that he can. Now, a couple thoughts on this, and I want to close this with one uh, thought, direction for our healing. When, when it comes to the process of healing in your life, for whatever your wound may be, and I just briefly walk to the surface of a list. You know far too well the pain that you've walked in here with or the wounds from your life from previous chapters of your story. When it comes to the healing work that only God can do in your heart and in your life, there is something that I heard uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, a phenomenal Christian author and psychologist, he said uh, these words, when it comes to true healing, the kind of healing that only God can do in our life, it takes really three things. It takes time, it takes truth, and it takes grace. 
It takes time. Let me just say a word about healing. What we want and why we go to these is because it looks like and it feels like maybe for a second it's all gone and all better, doesn't it? But healing takes what? It takes time. It takes time. And with God, healing comes in his time. It comes. But it's in his time. Look, there are wounds from my life that I'm working through that I feel I have experienced great healing and great recovery. But guess what? I'm still working on them with God. Because underneath this pain, there's another little pain. And underneath that pain, there's a deeper pain. And so I ask and invite God in to the deepest places, trusting that it takes time. But he will walk with me all the way through it. It takes time and it takes truth. It takes truth. For me, the truth of the Bible has been a source that calls out and speaks to the deepest parts of myself, the fakest parts of myself, the parts of myself that wants Band-Aids more than it wants medicine, that wants to cover up more than it wants healing. It takes truth from, for me, what I've found, it takes truth from someone who can objectively speak into the reality of my life. Because I can't in my own pain. I'm just running around in pain. I'm looking for anything to make it go away. I need the truth of someone over time to speak God's love and healing into my life. For me, what that has meant is the, the work of several Christian counselors. It's been a part of my spiritual life and growth for over the last 12 years or so. Just a regular part of my growth, my life. Again, I take my car to an expert take my body to an expert, take my finances to an expert. Why wouldn't I take the thing that matters most in this world, my soul, to someone who actually can speak truth objectively and lovingly into the wounds of my life? Why wouldn't you? That's what it's meant for me is that truth spoken from someone. And we take it very seriously. We take counseling and the help that a Christian counselor can give very seriously around here. We've vetted a number of therapists here in the city and the surrounding areas that we believe in, we believe the practices that they hold. And so we actually have a list at the concierge desk, that table right up the back. I'm real serious about this. When you leave today and you're about to exit, we have a list there for you. And if you're serious about the truth that can be spoken into your wounds in tandem with the love and healing work of Jesus, then would you just go grab the list? You can go up discreetly and just grab it and kind of read through that yourself. Or you can make a scene of it, and I'm going to counseling, and grab your sheet, and if that's how you want to do it, that's awesome. We celebrate with you, and that's a bold way to go in and get the help that you need, whatever it takes. Why wouldn't you trust the thing that matters most in this world to someone who can speak God's truth and healing into it? It takes time, it takes truth, and then it takes grace. It just takes God's grace. We talked about this two weeks ago. Grace is God's ultimate begin again. It's what he does for all that I've done. And maybe for you, you just need to be encouraged that God is with you. He's with you in your pain. He's for you and he will walk with you by his grace over time, whatever it takes for your healing to occur. I, I don't know what the wounds are that you've been walking in with, but he does. And he cares. And he can begin today the healing process that takes time, it takes truth, it takes grace. But it's not only possible for you today, it is promised for you today if you're willing to receive it and start with him today. You know, it's so amazing that I've found in my life and I've been blown away by the consistency with which I see this throughout the teachings of the Bible is that when I take that step forward to receive my healing from Jesus, to the deepest places, not the band-aid level places. I mean the deepest 
places. When I say yes to receiving that healing from him, I find that there's a place that my healing is then for in my life. It comes from him, but it's for something far bigger than I could have ever hoped for or imagined. And I want us to jump just for a moment as we close to a passage in the New Testament. So we've got the Old Testament covered. We're going to jump to the New Testament now, specifically to the book of 2 Corinthians. And in the Blue Bibles, it's page 803, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Page 803 in the Blue Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at what happens when we enter into the process promised to us by God of healing. Comes from him, but let's look at what it's for. It's much bigger than you might have thought or expected. 2 Corinthians 1, we'll start with verse 3, says this. And I'm going to have you call out a couple words. It means circle a couple things. This is really important and powerful and hopeful stuff. It says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what's the word? Compassion. You circle that word, the Father of compassion. Again, I don't know what your image is of God when you walked in here, but this is how the Bible describes him. He is a God of, he is the father of compassion. And Paul says, the God of all what? Comfort, the healing comfort that can only come from God. He says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Now this is really important. You want to circle this, underline this. Verse four, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can keep it all to ourselves <laughs> and be perfectly little healed people. Is that what it says? Who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You need to praise God for that reality because here's what happens. This is how big the healing work of God is in your life. It not only heals you, the process of healing not only heals you, it can become the promise of healing for someone else. Your process of healing can become the promise of healing for someone else. When we walk around covered in band-aids, no one knows how much you need God. No one can see who you really are. But when you walk in and say, yep, there are parts of my story that I wish were not so. There are parts of my life that have been broken. There's pain that I have caused myself and that has been caused to me. But I am being healed by the Father of all compassion. The God of comfort himself heals me. And in the process of you receiving that healing from him, you get the gift of being healing to someone else. What a powerful purpose God gives to our pain what the enemy of God would want to use to destroy your life, God says, no, I will redeem it. And I will bring purpose even to those dark chapters, those long nights, those deep wounds. I can work healing for your pain and from your pain. From your pain. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that we get to be a part of. We get to bring the comfort that we receive from God. And this is what's very important, that passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It does not say that we receive all this comfort from God so that we can have answers for people who are hurting. So that we can fix them. It's not at all what it says. Maybe you've been hurt by someone trying to fix you. Maybe your heart has been that much more broken by someone trying to tell you how wrong you are. 
No, we're comforted by God so that we can comfort others. And maybe the best thing you can offer is to say, see, look at me, a person broken and wounded, being healed by God. I may not have answers for you. I may not have a little thing, phrase for you. I may not have anything like that. But you can look to my life and see that healing is not only possible, it's promised in God. Because I know a Savior who himself knows pain. And he knows my pain, and I believe he knows yours too. The comfort you receive is the comfort that you offer to others. We, we, maybe you've heard us say, and I've said this before, and it, listen, at the risk of it sounding like a bumper sticker, because it does, I just want to say something that may help you understand and receive the gift that comes from the healing you receive for others. It's a simple phrase, and maybe you've heard me say it, hurt people, hurt people. Have you ever heard that before? Hurt people, hurt people. But what do healed people do? Okay, so your response just hurt me. I feel like I need to say that to you. I felt like I put myself out there and weren't there together. That's okay. I'm going to take that to God. I'm going to bring it back to you to try again. Okay, because this is a truth that you need to understand. And we're going to say it together in a minute. Hurt people, hurt people. What do people do who cover their life in band-aids? They're going to end up hurting someone else again. The hurt that they receive from someone else is the hurt that they're going to dish out on someone else. They're going to try and make someone feel worse than how they feel inside. Maybe you've received that hurt from someone else. My hunch is, though, you've probably done it, if you're anything like me. You've hurt someone else from the hurt that wasn't healed in your heart. Truth is, hurt people hurt people, but this is what the Bible promises. Healed people actually have the power by God to heal people. So we're going to say this phrase out loud together again, like you mean it this time. All right. This is corner classroom, wherever you're watching this right now. Look, if you're watching this online in a Starbucks, say this out loud. I want you to say this right now. People will thank you for it. Let's say it together. Hurt people, hurt people. But healed people heal people. And this is what is promised by God. And this is what I love. This is what the church is supposed to be, friends. How many times has the church hurt people more than it's healed people? This is what the church, this is what this church is about. We're a bunch of hurt people who, if left to ourselves, will keep on hurting ourselves and hurting others. But when you and I receive the healing work of Jesus, you can offer healing to someone else. And I've seen it firsthand. I've received it firsthand. I'm a part of a men's small group. And when we meet early in the morning before God gets up, and we <laughs> have been meeting together for the last two and a half years. I love these guys. I love all of these guys that have been a part of this small group. And here's what I've found. Here's what I've found. That principle from 2 Corinthians 1 put into play, that as we receive comfort, as we enter into the process of healing that only a wounded Savior can offer, that we're actually able to offer it to each other. I've sat in a circle, a group of, of, of men, where one of us was walking through a very scary season. His son was born with a very serious critical condition and spent the first three months of his life connected to tubes and wires machines in a hospital. A couple weeks after he was born, was flown from Chicago to Philadelphia. And our little circle, all of us little wounded healers, 
we're able to circle around him and pray for him, offer to do anything we could do, rides, if we can pick you up from the airport. What do you need? How can the comfort we've received from God be a comfort to you in this time of hurting? And to walk with them through and to celebrate their son's one year birthday just a few weeks ago and to think of all that God has done. I'm so grateful for the circle that has been healing to each other. I think about a guy in our circle who had such, his big life dream was to serve as one of Chicago's finest, a police officer in the city, the great city of Chicago. He wanted to be a, a, bar, a part of offering justice, God's justice in this city. And he dreamed and dreamed and hoped and worked and prayed and it just was not happening. For years, we walked through some of the deep valleys of just, does God even hear, does God even care about this life that I long for? And then to gather together just a little less than a month ago at his graduation ceremony from Chicago Police Department and to celebrate as a circle with him that we were able to carry him through a really difficult, really tough time. And now he is a cop here in Chicago and can write off all my tickets. And <laughs> the investment was worth it, is what I'm saying. Hey, this circle has walked with each other through breakups, walked with each other through divorces, affairs, walked with each other through deep physical pain, where we don't know, we ha we're begging God to do the healing physically that only he can do. I've brought my pain and wounds to these guys and in grace and in truth and in time, they have bore my burdens with me and have offered to me the healing that I need from God. This is why we make such a big deal about small groups around here. It's why we talk about them all the time because that's where we get to practice the principle in 2 Corinthians 1 where we receive God's healing and comfort and then we're able to offer it to each other from our brokenness in beautiful ways. We say all the time around here that circles are actually better than rows. That a circle like that is far better. Look, we're all in rows right here. And let's be honest, this is great, but I'm the only one talking in this whole time. A circle is where we share our life with each other. We share our burdens with each other. We share our pain with each other. We share healing with each other. That's why we make such a big deal about small groups around here. And that's why I'm so excited. We're kicking off our small group session, our summer session. You can find out more about it afterwards, but maybe for you, that's just a little tug that you need to hear right now to say, I need to get myself into that kind of circle where I can receive and offer that kind of healing and hope that God has for me there. And that's the next step that you need to take today, coming out of this time. What we're all going to do in, in the next few moments is something we need to do, something that we regularly do as a church every month, is we stop for a moment and we remember and we recognize the wounds that made our healing possible, the sacrifice for our freedom. Jesus gathered his followers together just hours before he would be arrested and falsely tried and led to a cross that was the plan all along. Raised by God from the dead, he gathered them together around a table and he said, I don't want you to forget the wounds by which you can be healed. The life I'm offering so that you can have new life, so that you can begin again in me. And he took common table elements. He grabbed bread and he broke it. And he said, look, this bread, this is literally like my body. Literally, my body is going to be broken for you. I came to be with you and my body is now going to be broken for you. I know pain. 
I know what wounds feel like. And I'm doing this. My body's being broken for you. And then he took wine and he poured it into a cup. He said, look, let this be a reminder to you of my blood that will be poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. It's the only blood that was perfect and pure and sinless to ever flow through human veins, every drop of it. And he said, I pour it all out for you to cover over every sin. I will literally pour out myself, offer my life so that you can have new life in me. And I don't want you to ever forget it. He said, these little elements, my body broken for you, my blood poured out for you, these are the wounds by which you are healed. This is the life I offer so that you can have life in me. So we're gonna come to the table together today. And maybe that's as far as you can get today. You just need to get up and take one step towards Jesus and come to the table and receive the reality of his wounds for your healing. We're gonna have stations here in the front and in the back as well, in the corner classroom as well. You can take a piece of bread, you literally tear it off to remind you of the body of Jesus broken for you, that he came to be with you. And then you dip it in the cup as a reminder of his blood poured out for you, that he died for you. He is with you and he is for you through his death and resurrection. And you think about as you come to the table, all of the wounds in the place in your life that you thought were too deep or too big for God. And you consider for a second the healing that is not only possible, but promised for you today in him. The lengths to which he went so that you could be healed and made whole. Would you begin today by coming to the table? So I'm gonna pray for us, and then as soon as I say amen, you come to the tables in the front or the back of the corner classroom, and then we're gonna respond by singing out and crying out and calling out to our wounded Savior healer. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, thank you for the reality of who you are and what you've done that you literally made a way for our healing by taking on our pain and our suffering. What other God, what other religion, what other belief system goes that route to say, I will take it all upon myself for you so that you can be free. Thank you, Jesus, that you did it and you did it all for us, for all of our, our wounds, our pain, our past, you cover it all. And so we choose to stop and remember the wounds by which we're healed. The body and the blood made available to us, for us, as a reminder that you are with us, even in our pain. And so Jesus, we thank you for the healing that is possible in you and through you. Thank you that it takes time, that it's not a quick fix. Thank you for truth that's spoken to us from your word and from others who we can trust. Thank you for grace, which covers it all in your love. And so we come to the table to remember you and to find ourselves whole and new in you today. It's in your name, by your body and your blood that we come. Amen. So I invite you to come to the front or to the back. We have gluten-free elements here to your left if you need those.